Uh, I uh, we listened to our meetings episode. Mm. Um, and at the end of the uh, the cold open, I ask if there's a motion to close old business, and you say so moved, and also with you. Mm-hmm. And I laughed out loud. <laughs> I literally lol'd at my own podcast. Lol. Mm, yeah, that's a good episode. Yeah, I was revisiting. I I re-listened to that one, and I re-listened to Because Future mm. uh, in the last week, and I liked them both. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we make good podcasts. Yeah, no, I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, um, I am too. More people should listen. Yeah. Listener, listeners. you should listen. You should totally listen to this. You would like it. I think they would. I think yeah. they would. Tell a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm actually kind of thinking I had a topic in mind. I want to do a different topic. Oh, and I don't know either of them, so same <laughs> so to you me. Don't, you don't really care. I could have just gotten into this different topic, and you would have been like, oh, this is a topic. That's right. Um, no, I, I – well, first of all, I don't really know what I meant by what I wrote down for the other topic. Um, <laughs> you are listening to Priority. A podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, Better Early Than Ever. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 44. Um, so previously, um, our podcast does have some continuity, but I want listeners to know they can jump in anywhere. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to do a quick summary of the last one for mm-hmm. anybody who hasn't heard it in case this is your first episode of priority. Um, in which case, welcome. And I'm sorry. Uh, but previously we were talking about the topic of distance and, um, in the course of that, we ended up talking an awful lot. Really the episode more than anything I think was about grinding, um, and knowing the difference between when you are working too hard for too long and need a break and when you are in the flow um, and, and getting the right level of distance from your work. And one sense of distance we sort of touched on but didn't dwell on very long was the idea of a deadline and how far away a deadline is. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of being early. Mm. I know how uh, you feel. <laughs> well, uh, I think you do, but I'm going to I'm going to launch into it if it's okay with a story about doing something at the last minute overnight. <laughs> Please, because <laughs> I, I you know I think that would be the way to go. <laughs> so my freshman year in college, I took a psychology seminar. Um, it was just your basic intro to psychology. You know, start with some brief glossings over of completely weird and wrong ancient ideas, um, get very early into, into Freud and, you know, the launch of, uh, psychology as most people understand it today, although that's not really psychology, um, in the modern era. Freudiana is largely out of favor, uh, among psychological scientists, but in any case, um, march, basically marching through the last century of psychology, um, Freud, Jung, various developments up through the behaviorists and different trends and things um, leading up to the present and, and cognitive behavioral therapy and, and you know modern neuroscientific theories of the brain and the mind and behavior and all that. Um, in the course of this class, we had uh, 
there was a, a lecture portion and a recitation, and we had various quizzes and assignments for the recitation, but it wasn't really a very... It wasn't very researchy, papery, heavy class. Um, as I recall, I think there was only one paper for the entire class, and it was the the quote-unquote term paper, um, which is one of the few papers I've ever done that was actually termed that, despite that being such a big thing in fictitious mm-hmm. portrayals of classes. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But we had, we had a term paper. And because it was such a big part of the grade, and because it was such a big paper, I mean, it was a term paper. It was, I think, on par with the final. It might have been bigger than the final for mm-hmm. our grade. Um, and uh, in retrospect, I think some of this is because the, the psychology department at this institution was very, very big, um, bigger than other departments I interacted with at that institution, and, and bigger than psych departments I've interacted with elsewhere, on getting students ready for graduate school. Hmm. Um, so I think a lot of this, the idea of this was, this was the freshman psychology seminar, but we wanted to make sure that you had like a sophomore or junior level research methods class understanding of how to do a bibliography. Hmm. You know, we're just going to beat the shit out of you on the bibliography for this paper. Um, and it was a, it was a big paper, you know, by college freshman, sophomore kind of standards. It was a big, big paper. Uh, in order to facilitate that and, and, you know, actually let students possibly succeed at this instead of crashing their ship against it over and over again every semester. Um, The professor very wisely broke it down into a series of stages. And it wasn't like, here's all the things you need to do, and here's the deadline, and we're going to start on it now at the middle of the term so that you have half the term to work on it. It was like, no, you're going to have like four or five deliverables along the way Mm -hmm. so that when you ultimately get to that last deadline, you're not trying to do this all at once because it's not that kind of paper can't be done that way mm-hmm. or or so we were told um so the first deadline if memory serves was was pretty straightforward it was you know go to the library find a couple sources mm-hmm. and and get them written up in apa format um and we will we will very carefully you know go over your apa formatted sources with a ruler and make sure everything's in the right place and mm-hmm. score you very very rigorously on it um the second or th- second or third one, uh, I think we actually got down to the writing portion, and it was it wasn't really like write a draft of your paper so much as you need to have a draft of this percentage of your paper. Mm. So it was something along the lines of you're going to need this many sources, which is not the total number you need for the final, but you know for the actual paper, but it, at least this many already found and formatted. And you needed to have 60% of your, you know, 10-page paper written and ready to go. Um, I don't remember if these were the exact numbers, but I'm just throwing them out there to give an idea, you know, roughly what was required. So I did hit the first deadline. I had my first two sources. Um, The three weeks between that and the deadline where we had to submit the partial draft, I didn't do a thing. Uh, In fact, if memory serves that part of the semester, I didn't even go to the lectures. Hmm. Um, I did go to the recitation. I did not like the professor in this class. I did really like the TA. So I was still going to recitation and getting my homework done. Hmm. Um, but I, I just, I wasn't doing anything else for the class. I wasn't doing the readings. Um, I wasn't doing, I certainly wasn't working on my paper until the night before the recitation where (laughs) this 60% draft of the paper is due. Perfect. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so I planned to work on it that morning and didn't. In fact, I slept until noon. Um, I figured I would work on it after lunch in the afternoon. I didn't. I did some other homework for a philosophy class, if memory serves. Um, I planned to work on it right after dinner, 
But instead, I went and hung out with my friend Eric and played video games. I talked to my girlfriend on the phone at 9 or 10 for an hour and planned to get to it right after that. But I found myself, as one often does, watching Comedy Central in one of the lounges for two hours. Mm-hmm. About 2.30 in the morning, I roll into the honors computer lab, which at that point was pretty dead because it was a Wednesday night, not quite in finals week, and sit down to start working on this paper. And it's one of those situations that I've alluded to before. Um, you know, Timothy Pitchell talks about in the, in the research on procrastination, an onerous task that you put off because it seems really scary, very often when you get into it is not. And that's kind of what I found. Um, it was kind of painful because I was looking at things I hadn't looked at in several weeks and having to remind myself what was even required and worrying a lot about that. But once I really started doing it, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it was almost kind of fun. And I very quickly got to, you know, five or six of the, the, the 10 pages. So I was getting close to, you know, the 60% mark or whatever we needed to have. And I started thinking to myself, you know, I may as well like hop on to the, to the library system and look up some more articles. You know, we have, we have full text search of some journals and I can certainly find other ones that sound, you know, like they contribute enough that I can, I can throw them in here for now and then go read them. If they don't work, take them out later. So I went and I got the rest of my bibliography put together, you know, more than enough sources to satisfy the whole thing. I got it all formatted, nice and neat. Went back to the paper, started incorporating things um, from from the couple of articles I could actually read something from. Uh, before I knew it, it was like five in the morning and I had eight pages. I was past the mark where I was supposed to, supposed to hit for this recitation. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at my paper and I was like, you know, I'm really close right here. You know, I really need to just tie in like one more example, one more source here and, you know, maybe go back and, and tidy up my method section a little bit and then write a conclusion and I'm done. And so I went ahead and did that. And by eight in the morning, uh, half an hour before recitation, I had my entire term paper front to back um, from title all the way down to bibliography, every section, uh, the abstract introduction, the method, the results, conclusion, bibliography, enough sources, all of it done. Uh, I looked back over it real quickly and made a couple, made a couple marks on a printed copy, you know, fixed them, printed out again, uh, and then walked across campus to recitation after staying up the entire night doing this thing. And I turned in, you know, for this, you know, we need a draft, doesn't need to be finished. You're not going to be you know, nothing's going to be marked wrong on this. We're just going to give you feedback. The goal is to finish this much of your paper so you can actually make the final deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I turned in basically a finished paper. Mm-hmm. And it was good enough. Like, I got it back, and uh, I was asked to clarify one gigantic paragraph-long run-on sentence, which is the kind <laughs> of thing that happens when you're writing at 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and she found a typo, and she marked that. And she pointed out that one of my 10 sources I didn't actually reference in the paper. Mm -hmm. And so I took that out. But I made those three changes. I made them that afternoon after going home and sleeping Mm -hmm. for, you know, five, six hours because I'd been up all night. Sure. Um, But that afternoon I made them. And then three, four weeks from the end of the semester, I was done. I was Mm -hmm. completely done. And moreover, like this wasn't – it was a, a paper written overnight. Um, it wasn't just a case of she just quickly was grading these and marking, you know, a few things here and there. Because when I turned it back in, not only did I get, uh, not only did I get full credit on the whole paper, 
for the final, the actual the actual term paper, uh, I got extra credit on it, which had not been on the table. Like this wasn't a you know, do this much to get a hundred percent. Oh, and if you if you do more than that, you can earn extra. No, like she just arbitrarily like gave me an extra ten points on it. Uh, which, by the way, took me from from a B to an A mm-hmm. in the course. Well, you say arbitrarily, but what do you think she was trying to recognize? Oh, I'm, I know exactly what she was trying to recognize. She realized that I was way ahead on the schedule and also that I'd done a good job. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something you don't see that often. At least I don't. Maybe, maybe your department, your institution is different. Um, I have been in a lot of classes that extra credit opportunities. I have not been in a lot of classes where extra credit just materializes. Well, here's what I'm thinking, though. No one does what you did. <laughs> People of don't course do not. That. that would be crazy. Right? That's not a thing. Max, it's <laughs> not a thing. No, no. Um, but there's, there's a couple different things here. Um, first of all, there's a lesson to be drawn here that I don't want people to draw and that I don't want to draw. And I don't think I did draw from it. And that is that you can totally get away with doing stuff at the last minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you used a word in the last episode that I like, which was sustainable. Um, this kind of thing is not sustainable. I couldn't do this for every paper for a long academic life. I couldn't do this all the time at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've done all-nighters for various jobs. Like, that's happened before, but usually it's happened because of outside circumstances, not because I didn't do something until the last minute. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think I took that lesson to heart, and I want to be clear to listeners. I don't want you to take it to heart either. Mm-hmm. Um, the point is not that I did this at the last minute and it was great, although I did and it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lesson that I got out of it was um, one that I'll relate back to the last episode. You know, when you're really into something and it's working, it's a good idea to ride that as long as you can stand to. You know, mm-hmm. when you are in the flow, you you are enjoying what you're doing. It's coming together. It's working well. You're getting it done. Go ahead and stick with that, um, even even if you even at the expense of other things, because uh, because that energy is useful. Mm-hmm. But the the more important lesson that I got out of it was, like you said, I did something nobody does, which is I finished a paper four weeks early. Oh my gosh! Mm. And a big paper. I mean, you know, by by the standard of later papers, I would write it wasn't that big of a deal. But, well, sure, in your first year in college, for a freshman, it was mm-hmm. a pretty big paper. Right. Yeah. So this is this is a uh, I was going to say tactic. I guess that's a fair word. Um, I, I try to use this tactic when I build my courses, um, sometimes to great success, sometimes not so much, but especially with first year students, I totally appreciate that some of the work in our course may be the, at the time, the biggest and most complicated project they've undertaken. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not from my point of view, of course, cause I've been doing things like this and I'm not also at the same time trying to, um, acclimate myself to a totally new environment, right? College. Um, but to account for that and to make sure we're focused on the types of skills I'm asking them to practice and to build, um, I do break up the work into sort of bite-sized chunks as we move through it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a super clear schedule that we have from the very start of the the syllabus, from the start of the semester that's in the syllabus. Um, it rarely changes except for extreme circumstances. Maybe we'll make a couple of, maybe a couple of days on that schedule will change throughout the semester. Um, but by and large, I've, I've benchmarked each, each step pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the whole goal is showing the different ways these processes can work. 
and also to help people not sabotage themselves. Right. Well, uh, and, and yeah. with any luck, uh, probably not because these are students after all. And being a student right now, I think I can slam on students pretty safely. Um, but it, it also at least gives the opportunity, um, although most probably won't take it, to teach them the habit of doing that, of doing the work on a big project spread out over several weeks. Because mm-hmm. they will have probably assignments in the future of similar complexity and, and size that they don't have broken down for them. You know, where it's like, here's the things you need to do. And the professor might say, by this point, you probably want to be doing X. <laughs> but, you know, and I've had I've had that one. I've had the professors like, you know, well, by this week, you know, you should probably have done these five things. So if you haven't, get on that. But it's not an assignment. You know, it's right. just it's still one big thing due at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I and I don't know that it necessarily does build those skills. And I don't know if I'm, I'm trying to think, I don't know if I've ever seen any, um, pedagogy literature about this mm-hmm. idea of pacing. Um, but what you're saying is, you know, hopefully it models what pacing can look like for a big project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for, for our projects, I certainly try to make that clear that in case you haven't noticed, <laughs> you know, last week we did this and this week we're doing this and next week mm-hmm. it builds a little bit more. And then the thing is due, right? right. I'm stair-stepping you through this experience. Right. Um, but it doesn't always sink in either. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder, t- what I'm thinking about is, yeah, what's funny is you were, you sort of took the bait in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. It is sort of false, on a project to to break it up as if all of these stages are going to take an equal amount of time and, and space mm-hmm. and resources. Um, well, the other thing too, I think, when we're talking about anything that's got a creative element is it's also artificial to say that um, th- these are not all parts of a whole. Um, it's kind of artificial to say go find your sources and then later come back and write about them. Um because it, it, students will approach that as two different stages and, you know, the bibliographies do and they're probably not going to do whatever the next writing task is due until before, right before the next deadline. Mm-hmm. So there's like a week or two in between where they forget all about why they looked those sources up or why they liked them. Right. Um, and, and the process of writing also will be the process of discovering the, what things do you actually need to back up anyways? You know, like what sources do you even need? Um, so in, in some cases, like this can even be artificial, the, the mm-hmm. divisions between the steps. And when the student does the later step, they might realize they didn't get what they needed in that earlier step. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking about is I, I'm teaching two different courses right now and I, I have roughly the same structure in, in both of them. Um, but in one course I took too much for granted about what the students were, how the students were doing each step. Um, so, for instance, when I had sent them off on their drafting after they had found their sources, I presumed that they were practicing the reading habits that we had been practicing all throughout the semester in the course, which is mm-hmm. <laughs> you read closely, right? We call it close reading for a reason, um, that they were annotating and taking notes from their sources and using that evidence as the foundation for their drafting Uh, nope, they were doing it the other way. They were talking in generalities and from personal experience, and then they were going to add the evidence Mm -hmm. in when I pointed out that they didn't have any evidence. 
Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> right? In yeah, my mind, these... like these are linear steps. You find mm-hmm. the research, you comb through it, you identify possible mm-hmm. um, ideas right. you'd like to propose. Well, and that's and and you know that that close reading idea you mentioned, taking notes and annotating, like that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. You you are engaged in the writing and thinking process then. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the way it was presented to us, at least as I remember it, is we had an entirely like we actually had a day of class where we went to the library. Yeah. Or or a day of recitation, anyhow, where we went to the library, and that was that was what we did that day. Was here's an hour of structured library, you know, go do some research time. It was very high school in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's. You know, it was very much like go find your sources and then a week or two later you'll write about them. <laughs> and, it, you right. know, of course, if I'd been doing, you know, following the same pattern I did when at the middle milestone from the beginning, I would have gone home and started writing about them right then. But, you know, again, these are students. Nobody did that. Mm-hmm. Everyone wrote it the night before. I just happened to write it really late the night before and I kept going. <laughs> and that's what makes you exceptional. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I, I found I found a subject matter I was interested in, and it was writing, which is something I have some facility for. I don't know if I'm good at it, but it doesn't it it doesn't come difficultly to me, you know. <laughs> it's it's not a challenge for me to write. Whether or not the quality of the output is there is is debatable, but certainly I've got the aptitude in the sense that I'm not scared of it. I can sit down and do it without too much thought or trepidation or preparation. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It was a confluence of various things. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, again, the main lesson to me was not, you know, oh, hey, I can pull a paper out of my ass the night before it's due. And But it was the fact that it was the night before the draft was due mm-hmm. and I was able to do the entire thing. Um, well, that, and it's, mm-hmm. it's not something I've always applied, but it's, you know, it felt pretty darn good that time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's sort of what I'm thinking about now is I wonder, and of course I'm thinking of just my experience, because as we know, this podcast is for me to think out my issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I'm you're, you're pretty much like on a couch and the audience is Freud writing in a notebook. Yeah. No, I'm just like pacing around and Freud's steady right now. Um, actually, no, that'd be super creepy. Ooh, <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Tell me your troubles. <laughs> no, no Freud. Um, but I'm thinking about, so you, you, I think, overcame something in the human brain to keep going. But what's so goofy is why don't we all keep going when we realize that we are doing the work? I don't know. Sorry, I'm just stuck on this and I don't have language for it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. because these benchmarks are artificial um, or, you know, sort of arbitrary. Like there are a lot of different ways you could chunk up the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking... I wonder if there are ways to chunk it up that will would encourage people to just keep going to the next one. You know, mm-hmm. like what if <laughs> so what if we I identified three clear stages but then I shifted the boundaries so that the first one is really one and a third task so that you've oh, already I sort see. of cheated kind of, the kind second of, one. Kind of blending them and and making them, you know, oh, but guess what you're actually well into part 2 so you may as well keep going. Right. Like, what if the way I chunked up the work could mm-hmm. suggest that? Yeah. <gasps> Ooh, I got it. Okay, so what okay, if... Okay, lay it um, on me. So what if, um, like, let's say it's reading and pulling something from an article. Mm-hmm. What if you had to read and annotate the article um, and then draft some, like, notes of summary for the mm-hmm. first half of the article? Mm-hmm. 
or no, like what would be most maddening? Like at what point in the article, what, what if I said like two thirds or I don't know, you know what I mean? Sure. Well, it, it could even be, I don't know, it could even be kind of a, I'm, I'm thinking about what you said about like, you know, the task would shade into each other where you had like one and a third is where, where the end of one was, mm-hmm. you know, a third of the way into the next one. Maybe, maybe it's like you, you're, um, it's not even that you cut off at an interesting point that's a little bit over the line. Maybe it's more of, you know, you kind of, you, you, maybe if you trick people into not realizing how far along they are until they are, yeah. um, and then say, say, keep going from here. You know, like maybe you have them do four articles. You take four articles and read them, annotate them, start writing up a summary and then a week later, like in, in as part of an in-class exercise, you have everybody look over their four articles and, and you know, whichever one of them. Uh, and, and let's say this is after you've you've graded them and marked them up. So the students also kind of know which ones are good and which ones they're doing right. Mm-hmm. But you say, of these four that you just did, you know, which which one of these is the one that you you feel the best about your summer, you like the article, you're most interested in the topic. Just identify that and make a little note for yourself on it. Oh. And then you say, okay, this is the start of your paper. You know, you have just found your first source and you have started your argument in the summary. Okay, you know what's funny is originally when I started some of this, that mm-hmm. is what I was getting at. You know, <laughs> I might say, sure. find five sources, but really I'm looking for like three. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming a couple of them are going to oh, be yeah. junky anyway. Yeah, that's a good strategy and all kinds of things, not just sources for mm-hmm. papers. But I've kind of lost that. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of treachery, and and the other thing with the the reason I said like have them do four, um, is so there would be a large enough set. There's a chance they would like them. Because the other thing here that's kind of tricky, like one one reason I think people don't always do this, is I had fallen ass backwards into something that I actually had a lot of of interest in without mm-hmm. realizing it, which is psychology. Um, which up to that point, I didn't really care that much about. Hmm. Um, you know, and in the course of this class, like I I realized I liked the topic and I was pretty good with the terminology, but Hmm. I also didn't, like I said, I didn't like the professor, you know, by the midpoint of the semester, I wasn't really going to lectures anymore. Hmm. Um, but, but, you know, just by luck, enough of it stuck to me. You know, this was something I was interested in and the, the term paper topic at the time, at least I was interested in, I'm not as interested in it now. Um, in retrospect, it was actually kind of Freudian, the whole exercise. Um, <laughs> but when you're new to the field, who knows? <laughs> yeah, when you know you're new mean? to the field, you don't realize what a crock of shit everything that man said was. No, and I'm, I'm speaking from experience in English studies, too. Like, when I started, <laughs> I was like, oh, everything's interesting and possibly mm-hmm. valid. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's something to be said for, you know, part of the reason I did that, part of the reason I did keep going. I mean, part of it was probably that it was 4.30 in the morning and, you know, my, my sense had, like, you know, long, long since gone to sleep. <laughs> the part of my brain that most people have that rationally says, okay, that's more than enough. You're good. Now go get a couple hours sleep because you're really tired was, was, you know, already asleep. So I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the bigger part is that I liked it. And and I think that's part of it too, is tricking your students into finding something they're interested enough to do this about, you know, might be part of tricking them into going a little further. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I think that's going to be the trick for all of us in all kinds of things. Like I, I talked in our education episode, uh, which I believe is number three. Um, I, I said, you know, 
something I wish I'd done more of was make every class a project, like find the thing in that class that I was really interested in and make sure that every paper and every essay and, and every time I had a choice of what to read or what topic to pursue, that I was pursuing something that I liked and that related back to whatever, you know, I, I looked at as the major theme of my education or where I wanted to go in life. Um, and I think if you can do that, that's a good strategy. Um, but I don't know how to how to get every student in every class to do that. Tricks. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. But students don't do this. People don't no. do this. People don't do this. People yeah, not just students. People, too. People aren't early. Um, I think I should clarify after I said that that Students are people, and I'm aware of that. <laughs> a good a good acknowledgement, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ought to affirm that. Um, and I say students, Adrian. I'm just thinking of, of my students. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, we, we bring this example up a lot, but it's it's pieces of flair all over again. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, you say what you want, and that's what the expectation is, mm-hmm. and there's – there's not a lot of variation about reactions to a deadline or an expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a pretty well established spectrum of responses that you're going to get in return. So, mm-hmm. if I say the final version of this essay is due this day, blah blah blah, no late work, and here are the other trappings of that deadline and expectation there's only a certain variety of of responses I'm going to see. There's Mm going to be people who just follow it and there are no issues along the way. And we just go on our merry way. There's people who um, are confused or concerned ahead of that deadline and expectation. And they want to ask some clarifying questions. Um, There are going to be people who have lots of issues and, and ignore the warnings and, you Mm -hmm. know, turn in whatever. Um, then there's people who miss some of the expectations like, <laughs> you know, no late work, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and want to argue about it or explain why they should be an exception to the rule that's been in place the entire time. Right. Um, you know, there's not a lot of, oh, here's my essay two weeks early, you know? Mm-hmm. No, there isn't. There isn't. As um, in none. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask how often that happens to you, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could have guessed the answer. Well, you know, um, I was just looking at a sub, a submission site for an essay we did. The range was uh, maybe the day before a midnight deadline at like 3 p.m. So mm-hmm. not nine hours ahead, but 24 and 9, which is 33. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the earliest. And then yeah. things were spread out pretty evenly. Yeah until the following midnight. Sure. Well, and I'm thinking about a class I'm in right now. Um, I, I'm in a sort of introduction to humanities class, just a survey of, of a variety of different art forms um, and how to discuss them critically. And the first three units, um, I think all three of those, I did the entire unit, um, you know, did the reading, did the reading ahead of time and then did the online portion of the reading, you know, the, the notional lecture, it's a, it's an online course. Um, but, you know, watch the videos and read the, read the presentations that were online, um, put my discussion posts up, responded to other early responders on the discussion posts until I hit my minimum uh, and took the quiz like all the first day that it opened. 
You know, mm. each of these is like a two week unit. Um, and I did that for, for the first three, but after that, like I, I couldn't keep up. Like it just, you know, I've drifted and now I'm much closer to the deadline. <laughs> a lot mm. more like the students you're talking about. So I want to be clear, this isn't a pattern that continued through like all of my schoolwork forever, um, <laughs> or all of anything else either. Um, you know, we've, we've filed our taxes pretty close to the deadline in the last two years, <laughs> like most Americans. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Although I've also filed in January, like the day after I got my last W-2. It just, you know. And when I do, I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the funny thing is you think, you would think that our brains would be better at this stuff because it is so good for us. It's, that's the thing. That, like, you're, we're talking about ways to 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 make this stick like to get your students to do it even to get ourselves to do it and when you first mentioned trickery where my brain went was like the well i'm gonna set my all of my clocks ahead 15 minutes so i'll be early so i won't be late to work every day or late to school every day. it's like it never works because no. you start doing the math in your brain right you give yourself back that margin to use um it, you would you would and it, what occurred to me was you know what the one thing that might work is is to 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 make people do it, get people to do it, and see how rewarding it is. But honestly, even that doesn't really stick. So again, I don't do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been tremendously rewarded by it when I have, but I, I I don't do it all the time. Well, and here's what I'm stuck on: if if you treat it as your normal, then it's not early anymore. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or am I just overthinking this? Is well, this no, grad I mean, school brain? There's there's something there. There's a um, you know, there's certainly a lot of things in life or there's kind of there's treadmill effects all over. Um, you know, if you if you get up to a certain uh income level, I'm reading this book right now called Fooled by Randomness. Um mm. and uh it yeah, the there's a, a passage in there that talks about the the treadmill of income where like, you know, you you feel poor, but then you get a better job and you make more money and then you're feeling more wealthy, more affluent. But then you move into a nicer neighborhood. And now you're, you're at the, you know, you just moved there. So you're probably at the bottom rung of income in that neighborhood. And all of a sudden you feel poor again because mm-hmm. all the people around you are doing better. Mm-hmm. Um, and even without things like that, where there's external stuff, I mean, like our, you know, there's lots of research on unhappiness. I think Daniel Gilbert talks about this in Stumbling on Happiness. Um, he is, I believe, a professor of psychology at Harvard, or at least was when he wrote that mm-hmm. book. Um, and he talks about the research on on happiness and and how you know we very quickly get used to anything. Um, you know, you you achieve some great new status in life you've been after for a long time, and it feels great, but very quickly it just becomes normal. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. I think what you're saying is a real thing. Like if you get used to being early for everything, that just becomes on time, mm-hmm. um, and on time becomes late. <laughs> and you suddenly might not be feeling so rewarded by it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that idea of adaptation. Yeah. It becomes comfortable and familiar and therefore not remarkable, and you don't get that mm-hmm. great jazz feeling of, yeah. of, oh, great, good for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do still think there's there are benefits that accrue even if you lose that feeling, though. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe focusing on them might be where, where this could be built into more of a habit. There's a book... Um, I'm not really going to recommend the book because <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's an awful book. It really is one of the worst books on the subject I've ever read. Oh, my. Um, I will name the author, though. It's by Don Aslett, uh, and it is called Done, How to Accomplish Twice as Much in Half the Time. Hmm. Um, and it looks like it was it was typeset by somebody on their first word processor in 1989. It's awful. Um, but there is a chapter, I think, called The Magic of Being Early, 
So if you see this book somewhere like in the library, um, don't even check it out. Just read it there. It's it's not worth having in your house. It's awful. But this chapter, <laughs> this one home. chapter, The Magic of Being Early, is pretty good. Um, and it's on the subject. And, and it's even, he wrote this, um, I think it was 2002 or so. Uh, no, later than that, 2005. But still, like, relatively, comparatively early in the history of cell phones and before most people had smartphones. And he would talk about, like, how how nice it is to just have the habit of being early to get everywhere. Hmm. Because then you're you're not rushed and stressed on the road or in transit or wherever, you know, however you get around. And when you get there, you can relax for a little bit while you wait for wherever it is to start. And I would say, like, you know, for people who think that sounds boring, nowadays you don't have to sit there and relax and just <laughs> do nothing, meditate, read the paper. You know, you can get out your phone. You can go mm-hmm. on Facebook and do what people do on Facebook. Um you know, read the news, play a video game. Um, and this is something, you know, uh, Courtney and I go back and forth on this because she she doesn't like to be late for stuff, but she doesn't like to be early for stuff because she doesn't like to wait around. Me, mm. I will always wait around given the option mm. because I can do something while I'm there. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have my phone on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in any case, I would always rather be, even if I was bored, I would rather be there and be bored than be anxious and scrambling and, you know, breaking agreements and expectations if things don't go exactly as planned and we're late. Hmm. And see, I, I fall prey to the opposite thing, but for the same reason. I will stay where I am and continue working mm-hmm. until I absolutely need to leave to get to the next thing because mm. I have, you know, I know okay, it takes me five minutes to walk to that <laughs> yeah. place. So I'm going to keep my butt in this chair until mm-hmm. five till. Right. Well, and I think if you're talking about a college campus and it's not the middle of winter or <laughs> you're not having a monsoon-like storm in the summer, um, and you're talking about walking from one place to place and it's somewhere you know you're familiar with, you know, and you and you have enough social fortitude to say, no, sorry, I can't chat right now. I got to go if somebody you know, wants to stop and chat on the path. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I think if those things are true, then then your method there is not bad. The problem is if you're talking about like, well, I know it takes 15 minutes to get there and you're talking about somewhere you drive to. Mm-hmm. But what's really happening is you're saying, I know it takes 15 minutes to get there. But in truth, like the best time you ever went when it was like some kind of bank holiday and it was at the end of the summer and half the city was on vacation and you hit every light green and, you know, there was no construction that, that week uh, and the stars all aligned and you were paying attention, you were on, you're even speeding a little, you got there mm-hmm. in 15 minutes. But really it usually takes 20 and it has taken as long as 45. But yeah, you know it can yeah. take 15. So yeah. you say to yourself, oh, it's going to take 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's often the case when we say, oh, I know it takes X to get there. But anyhow, yeah. throwing even throwing that aside, you know, setting that aside, if you know it takes 20 minutes to get there and the meantime really is 20 minutes, like it usually takes 20 minutes to get there. It almost always, in fact, takes 20 minutes to get there. Uh, again, talking about driving, not just walking across campus. If you're saying it takes 20 minutes to get there and you give yourself 20 minutes, that doesn't leave you any margin of error. That doesn't leave you time if there's an ambulance coming up behind you, followed by two fire trucks and a police car, and everybody pulls over. Um, that doesn't give you time if there's an accident or a construction you don't expect. That doesn't give you time if you get pulled over. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's there's all this stuff that that would not be that big of a deal if you left for that twenty minutes away thing, you know, with thirty thirty five minutes. 
Max, but, I, just, I, I don't know what awful world you live in where, where all these horrible things can happen <laughs> when, you, when you plan for how long things take. Mm-hmm. I just, I, this is foreign to me. Mm, yeah, nothing, nothing ever slips in your world. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Everything um, goes according to plan. Including things, me. Things take on. as long as you estimate. Mm-hmm. As we know, as we know, people are very good at telling how long things will take too. I mean, we could I don't know why we're podcasting right now. Like this is you're you <laughs> it's absurd, Max. The things you're talking about are absurd. Mm-hmm. They are. You realize that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm I know. I'm being I'm being I'm being a um I'm being a pessimist here. I'm being mm-hmm. a uh, I'm catastrophizing. Absolutely. Because as we know, construction, road construction is a very rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally there's ample warning to an entire community. People go door to door. And mm-hmm. uh, make sure to explain it to you and give you a pamphlet. And they check your name off the list. And if you're not there, they'll come back and make sure they get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't have everybody, then they don't start the road construction because, mm-hmm. you know, you need to know. Mm-hmm. And all the children are above average. Mm-hmm. Police police don't pull you over when you're in a hurry. They only pull people over who are speeding because they're mean. Mm-hmm. The mean Everybody heads. knows that. Meanie head law. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, and I will find it for show notes, uh, there was an article about how, supposedly, I don't, I hope it was scientific. If it's not, I'm just citing some BS blog post that somebody posted. Um, mm. Well, but, my next my next source to talk about is about the law of attraction, so go ahead. Perfect. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, this article was suggesting a link between optimism and lateness. <laughs> so I as, in, say, as like, in a positive correlation the optimists are more often late yes um, <laughs> but it's exactly uh, the sort of thing i'm talking about like mm-hmm. i you know i'm prone to maximize the thing i'm doing where i'm doing it mm-hmm. well and the thing i was thinking about too and it's you know this is probably more personal than generalizable but i'm thinking about for me wanting to be early and to dwell in that new space it totally depends on what that space is and what I'm doing next. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and to be clear, um, very often I'm perfectly happy to get somewhere early and then sit in the car and look at my phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not always going to go into the building and sit in the waiting room or mm-hmm. risk having to start the meeting early and be with that person even longer. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry, Beth. Poor Beth. Mm-hmm. Were you going somewhere else next? Uh, no, the law of attraction thing was a joke. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I, I, there's something though with that, with the, the, you know, and, and this might even be in that magic of being early chapter. Cause it's been a while since I've read it. Cause like I said, it's a terrible book. Um, sorry, Don, but I, I do think there's something, there's something Dave Ramsey says about having an emergency fund, having a cushion of money in case something comes up, like the roof starts leaking or the car breaks down, mm-hmm. um, that like, if you have that margin, you know, you, you end up having fewer uses for it. Um, which I think is illusory. I think it's just, you know, you're more likely to notice you don't have money to fix the car when it breaks down. If you never have money to do so, um, you know, you, it, it feels like the car breaks down all the time because mm. it's such a big deal. Whereas if you can just go pay for it, it's not that big a deal. Um, so it's easy to easy to overlook. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I do feel with time, though, there is certainly something. And maybe it's just that as you accumulate those little pockets of time here and there to use for other things, um, and as you're not burning up all your energy being stressed out because you're late and rushing all the time, it does seem like there's fewer cases where you need that margin to take care of an emergency. 
um, in, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I'm willing to believe that's completely an illusion and not, you know, magic because, well, you know, I don't ascribe many things on this podcast to magic. Um, but it does definitely feel that way. You know, the times been pulled over have never been when I had ample time to get where I was going. <laughs> I would hope, because then what would the point be, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe I just watched Fast and Furious Part 17. You're feeling all charged up. Furiouser and furiouser. Mm-hmm. And then Part 18, not dead yet. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. But maybe that's... Maybe that's the only part that matters. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I do this for myself and I will, I will say it verbally to others too. Um, you know, when you're preparing for something, especially if it's something um, that is making you nervous or, or we keep talking about those big projects that psych you out when mm-hmm. you are away from it and not working on it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll say to myself and I, I try to say to others, what do you need to do to feel prepared? You know, whether it's prepping for a meeting or prepping for a class or a conversation or to draft an email Mm -hmm. um, and just sort out, you know, is it nerves? Is it you need to grapple with the thing that's making you nervous about it? Um, Is it an actual task you can do? Like, oh, I'm missing this piece of information. Mm -hmm. I need that so that if it's called upon, I can offer it. You yeah. Know? So I, I think about, you know, that, that question can get at both those things, both literally, what do you need to do? What is the work ahead? But also what do you need to do to feel prepared? What will make you feel ready when you walk into that room mm-hmm. or get to that right. place or whatever? Yeah. Well, I, I would say too, if it's, um, you know, people, if people freak out about that question, um, I think the key thing is feel prepared. Like, what do you need to feel prepared? If you can come up with an answer to that, even if it's not what you actually need to get started, mm-hmm. and it's something you can just go do, go do it. Um, you know, because if it if if have if you then have that thing in hand and you say, okay, now I can start, and you start, then then it worked, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's probably a good trick. You know, ask yourself really, like, no, really, I'm not ready. So what do I need to get ready? If you mm-hmm. come up with an answer and go do that, then you know good on you. Mm-hmm. I do that when I'm packing a lot. I just realized, um, you know, cause anything I'm traveling for, it's probably something, um, you know, even <laughs> I'm trying to think even the sort of pure vacations that I've taken as an adult, where the whole point just was to go to a place and do a thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, just for kicks. Um, even then packing can, can, sort of forced me to grapple with those questions of, okay, well, I need to think about what are we going to be doing there? What could right. I need? If What's I needed the something, be like? yeah, if I needed something, um, but I don't want to take it or I can't take it, could I do without or get something there? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They probably mm-hmm. sell beds there, right? <laughs> They've got to. Yeah. But pack um, towel, I read that once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and you, you reminded me of something. I'm going to turn this into the, like all the ways Max is great podcast today. Um, <laughs> but you reminded me of uh, of a, a study I particularly like a pair of them actually. Although one I guess is a paper that summarizes studies, not so much a study. But um, I'll link to them in show notes. They are by um, Anthony Bastardi and uh, 
might just be pronounced bastardy. I don't know. Um, mm. But I'm going to say bastardy to be nice because I like his work. But Anthony Bastardi and Elder Shafir um, on on uncertainty, on like not having enough information, mm. um, and and basically the gist of their two um, their these two papers I'll link to is that uh, in their research they've found that people are likely to delay action when they feel they are missing information, including information that doesn't actually affect the decision. Oh, geez. So, yeah. like, if you if you really pick apart, like, if you really drill down into what they want and what they're thinking about, um, they're not they're not actually planning to do anything different, depending on the outcome of this. Like, their their preference should be stable, um, but because the information is missing and their attention is called to the fact that it's missing, they want to delay and wait and find out the information. The other thing they find um, it, it, when they do this, you know, they do randomized experiments where where some people you know some people get to pick without a chance to delay and find out the information some people get to pick when they have the information some people get to pick after they've decided to delay for the information what they find out what they find is that the the groups that delay even though they're randomized so they should have on average the same preference as the groups that don't delay for the information um, either because they have the information or they can't delay tend to pick different things so not only do we do we like delay for information we don't need just because it's missing. We also then take it into account when we shouldn't. Hmm. Um, anyhow, I'll link to them. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm explaining the logic of the experiments very well. But but the gist of it is like, if you don't know something, if you're missing a piece of information, um, it's probably a good idea to ask yourself if that's really something you need to know to be to feel ready, to feel prepared. Or if you just want it because it's not there and you're using it for an excuse to procrastinate. Hmm. Um, and if it's that latter case, you know, it, it might be worth it to just try to move on without it because you might be accidentally taking it into account when you shouldn't. And the way to tell if it's that kind of information, especially if it's a binary, would be to ask yourself, well, what would I do if it turns out that it's A? And then ask yourself, what would I do if it turns out that it's B? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do more or less the same thing anyhow, you don't need it, so don't wait for it. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. but people do all the time. Oh, man. Max, I needed this article like three days ago <laughs> for a conversation yeah. trying to help a student with a paper. Mm-hmm. Um, he was doing this exact thing where the project would require many separate tasks and stages, but he hadn't <laughs> taken the dive into the first stage because he was so worried about the third stage. Um, so as an outsider, I, Mm -hmm. and you know, these stages, you know, he admitted he hadn't done a project quite like this before. So I offered him my perspective as an outsider who's done similar things in a paper before. So I said, well, here's what I would do. I would start with the research on this part, um, then do this. And then in the end, apply that other thing that the project is asking you to do. So it's something like, um, you know, do this analysis of this stuff. And then at the end, be sure to discuss it in its historical context. Like mm-hmm. you could do it as a final layer of the whole thing. Right. Um, but he didn't know how to do that gesture in writing. He didn't know how to put it in its context and talk about the time period. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he kept going back to, but yeah, but how am I going to do this? And I kept saying, it's like, well, well <laughs> you just told me you don't know anything about that time period. Right. So you're not going to know what to do until you do that research. And you're not going to know which 
period or whatever you need to do until you do your analysis first. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but even if I do that, what, how do I, I don't know how to do this thing. Yeah, like, absolutely. Okay, well, you're not going to know how to do it for a while. So why mm-hmm. not do this thing so you don't sabotage your timeline? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, especially if, especially if the you know, part one doesn't depend on part two. No. Um, this is where the, the example of the paper being chunked up by the professor earlier, where it breaks down a little, as I said, is, you know, if we're going out and finding sources first, we're probably going to write about those sources, but we, we don't necessarily know, you know, you don't necessarily know ahead of time, which of those you're really going to need, which of those you're really going to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so in that case, you know, somebody, somebody could, I don't know. It, it, there's there's a, a chicken and egg thing there, I think, a little hmm. bit, you know, where you the source about? the source could inspire where you're going to go, but where you're going to go could also inform what sources you need to search for. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of depends on like what you've even got to start. Um, but I think in either case, like you don't you don't necessarily have to have the other one to begin. You know, you can you can begin with a hypothesis or you can begin with a literature review. Either one's fine as long as you eventually do both. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Anyhow, the the two papers, by the way, are, I love these titles, Non-Consequential Reasoning and Its Consequences, (laughs) and On the Pursuit and Misuse of Useless Information. Oh, my goodness. I'll I'll link those in show notes. I recommend them. They are academic papers, but they're they're definitely worth reading. And, I mean, that's that's the reason I brought them up and why I talked about it being the show about Max doing everything right. Um, is it's one of the few like vaguely self-helpy productivity decision-making oriented psych papers I've ever read, um, where I've actually made an attempt to practice its findings in my day-to-day life. (laughs) Um, I try really hard not to wait for information. Um, if I can just look a piece of information up and get it right away, that's fine. Um, but the, the conclusions of this research is that is that, you know, if you put a lot of effort into getting the information or you wait for the information, you will overweight how valuable it is and it will change your preferences. Even in cases where, you know, if you'd really thought about it ahead of time. Again, if it's A, you would you would do what you were going to do. If it's B, you're, you would do what you were going to do. Mm. You know, it wouldn't have mattered mm-hmm. if you'd known it from the start. I so. think maybe sometimes I do that when I'm waiting on information from other people, especially mm-hmm. when... I've sent what I think will be a quick email request for um, something that I know this one person who's super familiar with it will know and will be able to tell me right away. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of, I get hung up there. Yeah. It's probably more so that I'm frustrated that my expectation wasn't met. Yeah. Well, that definitely could be. And you know. uh, yeah, the only thing I would say there is is if this research holds, then the thing to be aware <laughs> of is you might end up you might end up giving that information more weight when it comes back because you had to wait for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you put effort. It's, it's that, you know, it's, um, what's that bias called? There's the cognitive bias where when you own it, the endowment effect, mm-hmm. like if it's yours, it's more valuable. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and the reason that's true is because you put effort or time or money or all three into getting it in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, therefore it has value. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we do the same thing. We, we attribute value to stuff we've waited for or stuff we've put effort into collecting. Mm-hmm. No, I can see that. We talk all the time about time as a resource. It's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I don't know what this has to do with earliness, but oh yeah. Preparation. Preparation. <laughs> 
Yeah. Mm. Whether whether you are prepared enough to move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess kind of the, the last thing I'd want to say, and I, I alluded to it before, but um, just the value of being early versus being right on time or, you know, worse, <laughs> being late. Um, one of the reasons I find it such a powerful idea is, is because, um, of the idea of margin, Mm. um, which, which we should probably spin into its whole own topic in, in other categories of, Mm. of activity, you know, this idea of capacity of keeping some excess capacity available, um, or building excess capacity to use for things in various, you know, in terms of time, in terms of money, in terms of your skills, you know, in all those areas. But, you know, the reason the reason I think that getting that paper done early was so powerful was not because it got 110 percent um, of the available points, but because it freed me up for the next four weeks to procrastinate on and ignore the rest of my um, I mean, to uh, to study other things. Always. <laughs> Always. Yes. Um, but it did it freed it did definitely whether I used it wisely or not, it did free up my time and attention for the next three, four weeks, however much was left in the semester. Um, it gave me back some capacity that my fellow students didn't have during that. You know, what is it for almost everybody a crunch time in academia? Um, and when I think to do that in other areas of my life now, you know, when I get far enough ahead on something and keep pushing and get something in a little bit early, again, that gives me something back that the people around me don't have. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I register for benefits for the coming year, a week ahead of the deadline, instead of the day it's due, I'm not worrying about it. You know, I'm not stressing Mm -hmm. out about it. And that, that Friday that is due, if an emergency comes up at work and I'm busy all day, it doesn't get shoved off till Monday. Then all of a sudden I don't have health insurance. Right. Mm -hmm. You're buying yourself mental space. Mm -hmm. Mental space. Um, yeah. Getting rid of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Getting some distance uh, again. Recalling last week's topic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Something I'm thinking about too, and I know I've I've brought it up before in other situations. Um, but like you mentioned, it is so hard to trick your own brain. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you plant something far enough ahead of time, maybe you'll conveniently forget mm-hmm. about the trick you set for yourself. Um, so for me, um, and sometimes I harp on accountability and, and, uh, you know, group solidarity and motivation and, and people you run with and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I harp on that stuff, but for me personally, um, building in connections with my, with my personal support networks ahead mm-hmm. of big deadlines is mm-hmm. what really pushes me through the deadline. So mm. things like, um, maybe I will schedule a conversation over coffee with a trusted mentor, you know, a mm-hmm. week before of a big deadline, because right. at the very least, you know, my agenda for that conversation and I'll, you know, get them in on the loop is I want to make sure I'm on the right track with this other thing I'm working on, you know? Mm-hmm. So then in my brain, I've told myself, okay, the deadline for clarifying that idea is the coffee meeting, not the big deadline, <laughs> but the coffee meeting. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that that suggests something to me that I I think might be a strategy that I don't know that I would have thought of on my own because I'm an introvert and I don't like people, as we've discussed. <laughs> um, but uh, not just even accountability, but maybe think of it in terms of within within the sphere of people that you interact with, like who are who are the people you admire? Who are the people that you like, that you want to like you? Who are your heroes? 
um, in the circles that you could, you have access to. Um, and, and who among them, you know, would benefit and or be impressed if you were, if you were ahead of this, you know, mm. rather than behind. Um, cause that's something that I, uh, as introverted as I am, um, probably part of the reason I am introverted, I do care what other people think about me and my work, mm-hmm. you know, and I would, I, I much rather collect the accolades for getting something to somebody way early and better than they were expecting than worry about the relationship when I'm running behind and holding the whole team back. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So how and, will it and, affect others? Right. And and in the case of your meeting, you know, where that where that ties back to what you just said, you know, will that person be suitably impressed that you've given this this much thought already and your idea is that far along? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And if they will, maybe that's a little extra motivator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I say it well enough that they can get excited about it with me? Mm-hmm. So that that can be a productive space. But also because I've created that situation, I don't want to waste so-and-so's time. Right. You know, I want this to be valuable. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I'm gaining something from the meeting, not just a nice social interaction mm-hmm. or whatever, but For I, sure. I have work I need to think about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, am I taking it seriously enough that they can get excited with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, and that's not to say you want to be so far ahead of them that you've done a lot of the work and you're not going to have time to incorporate their feedback because you want them to feel <laughs> useful. You right. know, you, you could waste their time going the other direction. Um, if <laughs> but my again, TA, no if, one does that. Yeah. If my TA really, really wanted to give me feedback on my paper and shape its direction, I would have pissed her off. Um, luckily she had like 40 other students and, you know, was glad to have one. She could just say, yep, that's good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. If it's, if it's something though, where, you know, Another person's involved. Ask, ask, you know, who do you admire that would be glad and be better mm. off if you were early? And think about them because mm. other people are a good motivator. I like For that. instance, they motivate me to stay home a lot. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks again for listening. So what do you think? Early. Mm. Is that a good episode? Better early than ever. Mm, Better early than ever. That's what they say. Title. The early bird fights the worm. (laughs) Does it win?